Go with me in your Bibles one last time to 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 11. We'll read it one more time. This has been our series that I've been, uh, it's, it's been taking me a little while to get through all of this, this section uh, as we've been talking about being vested and, and what it is to be vested in the Lord. And we use the words in the world like invested. I'm invested in this stock market. I'm invested in this or, or I'm vested as a minister by the power vested in me. I, I marry people. The word vested just means that I have a stake in something. I am committed to, I have connected either by what I'm given or by what I'm done or, or my life that's connected to, but I'm vested into something and I have a stake in it. It's important for me to see it win. It's important for me to see it achieve what it's supposed to do. And when it comes to the kingdom, we first have to ask ourselves, are we vested? Are, are, if, if the kingdom of God was to start failing tomorrow, if churches were to start uh, crumbling and, 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 and attendance all over the world was starting to go, would that bother us? Would it, would it affect our lives? Are we vested to where we would say, That's, that can't happen. I'm, I'm part of that group be like if you put every dollar you had into some new fangled invention and it went on the stock market and boy it started out $40 a share and you had 10,000 shares then all of a sudden it went down to 40 cents a share and you're like I should have sold are you vested to where it really matters in your life what happens in God's kingdom and, and how do we do that? Well, we've talked about that. First, the foundation of this is trust. Trust is the first of the foundation. When you're going to be vested into God, it is a, it's built on the mindset of trust. I'm a manager. I'm a manager of what God has put into my life. It's, it's not mine. It's, it's His. And He's asked me, Tim, I need you to manage. I need you to be a steward is the word we use in the Bible all the time. Be a good steward. The word steward just means manager. Can I be a good manager of what God has given into my life? And we started to tear away what that looks like. Well, what does it mean to manage? Well, there's four different areas of giving that we can do. In, in the financial realm, there's four different areas. And not counting, as we studied also this last Wednesday night, not counting our gifts and our talents and, and what the Spirit's given to us and all of these different areas multitudes of gifts, but we first learned on the tithes and the offering. We learned that a 10% is, is what God says, that's a tenth. That's, that's letting me know that you're vested, that you're connected, and I will bless that. And then, then he says, I need you to sow seed. Think like a farmer. When, when, when you're not only doing your uh, tithes, you're doing your offering, and your offering is your seed. Find something good to invest in. Find something in the kingdom to invest in. And I will bless that. 30, 60, 100 fold. So all of a sudden out of the first two, we find out, man, God's, God's going to increase me. Absolutely. You're going to grow in your jobs. You're going to grow in your families. You're going to grow in your influence. You're going to grow. That's, that's instinctive. When you pay your tithes and sow into good things, you're going to grow. But then there's the other two. There's first fruits. And there's alms. See, because God's blessing me, I think, okay, man, I'm getting... If we're not careful, we become like, as we study that farmer who says, well, man, God just give me big barns and they're all full. I'll just tear them all down and build big ones for myself. And he said, no, learn to live in the extra. Learn to live in the extra. When God's giving you extra, what do you do with it? When God's giving you abundantly above what you need, what do you do with it? 
Well, that's where he talks about the first fruits and the alms. How do I I live in the extra? Well, we talked about first fruits. If if God gives you a raise tomorrow, if next week your boss comes in and says, hey, we're giving you a $100 extra a week raise, what are you going to do? Well, first fruit says that I want to honor God. I want to bless God. So I would take that first $100 that would come out of that raise, and I would say, I'm giving that to you, God, because you're the one that gave me this, and you're the one that blessed me with it. For the rest of my life, I'm going to have this new raise in my life. For every week from now, and I'm getting $100. But I want my first fruits to be towards you. It's just remembering God. And then alms, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, we learned that You do that secretly. That's the only gift that many times we give to people. You find someone that needs a meal, and you you buy their meal, or you do something for them, or you help them in some way, or you you, you give a blanket, or whatever you may do. But you do it in secret because here's the thing. God wants to bless you, but he says, on this, I only bless those who do it in secret. He said, if you do it in secret, then I will bless you openly. I will bless you openly. And this blessing isn't an increase. I, I, you know, if it was, we'd, we'd all. It, it's not an increase. It just means as you reach back and I put it in your hand and you sow it, when you reach back, I'm going to put some more in your hand and you sow it. And it will be a continual part of your life of sowing seed into people's life. People will look at you and say, man, you don't need to be giving your stuff away, man. That, you ain't going. No, don't worry. God always replaces what I give away. When I'm helping people, God always replaces. Now, I don't, you know, if I give away a, a, a pushing lawnmower, I'm not going to end up with a big X mark uh, 360 uh, zero turn. Somebody might come along and say, hey, man, I got a push mower at my house. You need one? Yeah. And there was times in my life I went through three vehicles in six months. People were giving me vehicles. And, and, and I would give them away. And, and, and somebody would come to me right after that and say, I got a vehicle. I know somebody needs it. Hey, I'm, I'm signing this vehicle over to you, and I'd sign it over to them. Why was God doing it? Because what he was saying was, can I trust you? But you feel, if I say, boy, God's been good to me. Why? I got six vehicles in my yard. Don't even know what to do with all of them, but man, God's been good. You're missing it. You're missing it. And learning to be a steward, a manager of what God has given you is so important. Why is it so important? Because listen to me, all that I've taught you is about today. We live in a world, an incredible world that has one major problem. One problem. We, we try to say, oh, we got, we got this problem, and we got, we got that problem, we got school problems, we got this. No, no, we've only got one major problem. One major problem. I'll solve all the world's problems in one, in one way. We have the inability to be thankful. For where I am, I'm not thankful. For what I have, I'm not thankful. For what I'm given, I'm not thankful. And unthankfulness is the root to everything that is going to bring you down. If whatever you get is never enough, if whatever somebody does for you is never enough, whatever somebody says to you is never enough, if whatever you have is never enough, that is the longest miserable life to live. And listen to me, in our Christian walk, it is the life that God tells us constantly not to have. Let's go and read 2 Corinthians 9, and let's get the the mindset of this, and, and notice what it says. But this I say, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
So let each one of you give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having sufficiency in all things. Notice how it's putting all this together. I've been teaching you. That, that as I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm excited about giving, I love giving my talents, I love doing things for God, I love doing things for others. God says, I'm going to make sure you are supplied with all sufficiency. You will never run out. May have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality. Why, why have I been enriched? So that I could be liberal with my giving. He said the reason God did it is so you would be liberal. Which causes thanksgiving through us to God. There's that last word of this phrase of this series that we're doing that brings thanksgiving through us to God. Ultimately, the greatest thing that takes place is that God, through our being thankful, is given glory. He's lifted up. How, how does this work, Brother Lot? Well, go with me in your Bibles. I want to share four facts about thanksgiving. Number one, listen to me. Your investment causes thanksgiving always to be offered to God. Go to verse 12 of that same passage. I hadn't gone any further. I've just stopped at verse 11. But today I'm going to go to verse 12 and 13. Is that okay? Go a little bit further. Here's what verse 12 says about this. When we talk about your investment causes thanksgiving to be offered to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the need of the saints... So what they were doing and what they were giving and how they were helping didn't just meet the needs of the saints, but listen, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to who? To God. When you start to do good for somebody, when you start to do good in, in, in your life, when you start, now they, they may not help you, they may not, but listen, when you start to do good, People will begin to thank God. If, if you had a need, if you had a bill, and, and you say, Pastor, I have a need, and we were able to help you out and gave you the check, what was the first thing you would say? Thank God. Boy, thank God. Why? Because it's natural for us to begin to thank God anytime someone is pouring out of themselves into our lives. If your car is broke down on the side of the road and somebody pulls over to help you, thank the Lord. Thank goodness. Thank, why? Because it's natural when somebody does good. Paul says, let me tell you the natural tendency that when you do good for somebody, it isn't about you. It will always refer into God and God will ultimately get thanked for your giving. It will bring a thanksgiving to be offered to God. Number two, thanksgiving then is a form of praise and worship that you give to God. You say, brother, I'm not good into the praise and the stuff. Well, then that's fine. I'm going to show you a new way to do it. Go to verse 13. While through the proof of this ministry, they 
did what? They glorified God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your liberal sharing with them to all. He said, what happened? He said, from the moment you started giving and started helping and started serving and using your gifts and talents and whatever to touch someone else's life, he said, what took place was people began to glorify God and people, I know it sounds strange and it seems weird like, well, if we start giving to the church, we start helping and we start, then God's going to grow. Yeah, it's just, I can't explain it. I'm just telling you what happens. When you start getting into the God's flow of giving and loving and sharing your gifts and your abilities, and when you get into that, and it could be as simple as buying someone a coffee next week. It could be as simple as, as being in front of the line of someone and, and, and just saying to the lady, hey, the person behind me, charge their meal to mine too. What? Charge my meal and just tell them God loves them and, and God is always thinking about it. And, and just do that. What's going to happen in your life? He said, all of a sudden, there's a building out throughout the city. There's a building throughout the church. There's a building throughout your family and the world. Oh, thank goodness. God is moving. God, how do you know God's moving? Because God's people are doing something in this world and it's making an impact. We keep thinking, I'll just sit here and wait for God to move. And we miss that the early church was not like that. It was in their giving, in their loving, in their sharing. I mean, let's just break it down to the, to the easiest part. We were commanded to do one thing. When you go into someone else's house and, and you go in together, what are you supposed to do? According to the early church, when, when they gathered together, they did what? Communion. Every time they come into each other's house, they did communion. Hey, let's remember the Lord. Let, let's, let's, let's remember the Lord. For as often as you come together, as often as you're together, why? Because what was he doing? He was trying to teach them being thankful at all times. Jennifer sung that song a while ago, and... and and it's just perfect for, I mean, he is good. In the morning, I will say, he is good. In the evening, I will say, he is good. And his goodness just keeps getting better and better and better. How is that happening, Brother Lot? Because listen, your thanksgiving is a form of praise and worship to God. When you are thankful, when you are a thankful person, it creates praise to God. It changes the atmosphere. Number three, thanksgiving then brings glory to God. So it all of a sudden, thanksgiving gives is offered to God. It gives praise to God. And now, ultimately, it gives glory. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Let's skip back a little bit to chapter 4 and verse 15. Listen to what it says. For all things are for your sakes... That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Listen, all things have been done for your sake. So Paul says, you know why I, I, I came and I preached? You know why I took the beatings I took? You know why I, I, I went through shipwrecks? You know why I endured all I endured? It was for your sakes. 
I did it for your sake. Well, why did you do it for my sake? Having spread through the many, it will cause thanksgiving to abound in you to create glory to God. My whole purpose is, is that in my giving, let's just look at, at Paul this morning. Okay, and, and he was listing people who had given time, given, given energy, and given. Okay, in our giving, what were we hoping for? Is that one day he would stand and he would give God glory for what he's done. See, we accomplished it. For all things are for your sake. That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound for the glory of God. Did that excite you when, when Paul was talking? Did that excite you when he was, man, yeah. Why? Because it brings glory to God. I'd love for a lot of you to stand up and give your testimony. But let's be careful. We'd have to wade through five, ten minutes of your junk. It's hard to give a testimony when, well, I know I'm not what I'm supposed to be. and I'm, I don't want to hear that junk. Just keep that on the seat. I want to hear your praise. Tell me what God is doing. Tell me what God has done. I, I, I know you're not perfect. I don't need you to tell me that. I don't need you to tell me you got some issues. The devil keeps sneaking up sometimes. I know, but tell me what God has done in your life. Tell me how far you've come, and that will bring glory to God. We've become apologists for God and not praisers of God. Number four, thanksgiving then. Listen, ultimately, thanksgiving is the fruit that comes from being vested. So all that I've done, all that I've given, ultimately what, create, what is created in my life is the ability or the spirit of thanksgiving. That, that is the most powerful thing I have. This morning when I was standing there and they were singing, and, and, and I just wanted to be in here today because, because it has been a, a, a war lately in my life. And probably will be for a while. Because the enemy is not happy right now with me. He's just not happy at all. And he, he, he would love to take me out. And that's okay, I understand, because if he ain't fighting me, that means I ain't doing nothing. But, so that's just part of it. I knew what was coming, but it's still, you don't like it. And, and all that, it's like, okay, what do you do? You just sit over here and just wrestle and just sit? No. The gift that God has given me through my investment is this, is that I can stand right over there this morning, and that no matter what's going on around me, no matter what's happening, I can shake the weight off. How can you do that? You got all this. It's okay. Why? Because the gift of being vested in God is that it is ultimately thanksgiving that he puts into my life. It is the spirit of thanksgiving that God gives into me so that my thanksgiving then becomes the gift or the fruits of my investment. 
I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to. I know God's going to win. I know God's going to overcome. I know God. I, I can't explain. How are you able to do that? I can't explain. I'm invested. I'm connected. I'm, I'm all in with God. And because of that, God says, what I'm going to give you, Tim, is a thanksgiving. Now, we describe it in ultimate ways of joy unspeakable and full of glory, or we get peace that passes understanding. He uses it in multiple terms, but really what it is, it is a spirit of thanksgiving when you've got absolutely nothing it seems like to be thankful for. You got a spirit of praise when it don't seem like you got anything to praise God for. And that is the gift that God gives to the saints. Your gift is not your money. Your gift was not your house. Your gift is not any of those things. Because why? Because all of those things are temporal. Even if God gives it to you, if God gives you a nice car, I mean, a nice car, that's great. I hope everybody in here has a nice car. But if he gives you one, how long is it going to last? More importantly, how long are you going to have it before you're bored with it? Or it starts messing up and you got to have it fixed and you complain how much it costs. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm telling you, all the things in this life that are given to us are wonderful tools and blessings. But the greatest blessing you will ever get from being invested in God is the spirit of thanksgiving, whether I have much or I have little. The Apostle Paul was so powerful, not because he had the best clothes, not because he had the most powerful ministry. Now, here's what made Paul so powerful, is that I have come to understand that whether I have much or I have little, whether I am doing with this or I've got this, I have learned to be content. I have learned that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. What did he have? He said, I've learned that I can praise in jail. I can praise on top. I can praise in a ship that looks like it's going down. I'm telling you, I've learned that I can eat right there on the deck of a boat when it looks like everything's coming apart. Just take courage and go ahead and eat. Why? Because I've been with God and God said, Paul, Oh, don't you worry. You're going to make it to the other side. I have learned to trust God, and I believe God. That's his strength. His strength was not the boat. His strength was not the sailors. His strength was God and his trust that created thanksgiving. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Okay. Three things about thanksgiving. Listen, don't ever forget to be thankful. Look at that person beside you and say, don't ever forget to be thankful. Your life will go sideways the moment you forget to be thankful. If we think in our lives, when does, when does life get bad? As soon as I think of what ain't right. It ain't even happened. Some of the stuff ain't even happened. Well, I know what's coming. The moment I quit being thankful, the moment I started, and we live in a world that trains people every single day to be unthankful. So from the time they're little and they get presents, so they get this, so they get that, it's never enough. It's never, it's never. And, and I'm glad we get prayer. I'm glad that, that Santa Claus comes once a year. I'm glad we have birthdays, and I'm glad we can go to pump it up and blow it up and, and jump it up and whatever else you want to go to and have all these. And we think, boy, we're doing it. 
And then it discourages us because 20 minutes later, they're in the back seat. We're like, you just had, you know how much it cost me to have the day you just had? I didn't tell you to do it. This was all I wanted. Why? Because, because the spirit of unthankfulness will ruin you quicker. And what you're invested in, listen to me, what you're invested in is what causes you to be thankful or not. If you're invested in this world, then this world has a philosophy that more is better. So you've entered a philosophy that what you have is never enough. The house you have, I don't know. The car you have, the husband you have, the wife you have, the kids you have. Why did God give me these kids? I, sh- I should have. Why couldn't I have those kids? Your job will never be enough. Nothing you ever have because because it's never enough. You get up and look in your closet full of eight thousand sets of clothes. I got nothing to wear. That's our world. Think about it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. I have, I have winter clothes and summer clothes. I don't just have clothes. I have tubs, three tubs that, that I, I, I take my summer stuff and tote it upstairs in the wintertime. And, and, I take my, and I'm thinking, I don't just have a closet. I have really two closets that I swap out. And I walk up to the closet like, man, I, ain't got no, I don't know what to wear. Somebody just picked me something. Why? Because, because it is in our in our system because it's built in our society that more is better more is better go with me to Luke 17 I'll show you a story don't forget to thank God because this is important to God Luke 17 there's a story of 10 lepers and these 10 lepers are on the side of the road and Jesus is coming by, and they they cry out to him because they can't get close to him. They cry out, please heal us, please heal us. And Jesus tells them, he said, when you go, go show yourselves to the priest. Go, go show yourselves to the priest. And verse 15 says this, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so, so he's vested. Look at the person beside you and say, he's vested. Now, if you said, Pastor Lot, I need, you know, I need $100. You give me $100. And I looked at you and said, go walk around the parking lot and see what you can find. What would you do? I ain't walking across no parking lot. I asked for $100. I ain't look, look stupid walking around all over the parking lot. Well, look at Jesus. The 10 lepers says, we want to be healed. And what does he tell them to do? Oh, be healed. No, he just says, go show yourselves a priest. And they start walking. They're, they're still leprous. They're like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I got leprosy all over me and I'm still walking. I'm going to go show myself to the priest. But one of them, while he was walking, vested in what God told him to do, realized, and I'm healed. It's gone. Now, what would you do? Just run on to the priest and like quick as you could, like, look. He doesn't go to the priest. He turns back around. Listen, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned 
and with a loud voice. Oh, what happens when we start investing? What's the fruit of it? It is the praise. It is your thanksgiving. That's the gift. He starts glorifying God. Listen to what he does. And he fell down on his face at, at his feet. So he knew he was healed. So he doesn't stay away from Jesus now. Knows what he does now. He knows he's healed. So he runs all the way up to Jesus. I'm not a leper anymore. And I hold and I grab a hold of his feet. Fell down at his feet. Giving him giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and says, Were there not ten cleansed? Wasn't there, wasn't there ten of y'all that I sent out to the parking lot to look for $100 bills? Didn't I tell ten of y'all to go out to the parking lot? There's $100 bills out there. Yeah. Where then, there are the not ten, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one foreigner? And he said to him, listen, there's, there's another level of this. And he says to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you not cleansed, whole. It's not just your leprosy that's gone. Because of what you have invested in you now and because of the praise and the glory that comes out of you, you have something they don't have. You have the gift of thanksgiving. You are made whole. That's how you know. That's how you know when someone actually has it. Well, bro, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in that. Well, let me just correct you because I just want to see how you walked into church today. Is that okay? Let's see if you did that right. Go with me to Psalms 100, verses 4 and 5. When you got, drove up in the parking lot, you had your Christian music on, you had your praise on, you had your, praise God, God, you were just... And as you got out of the car and walking toward... The church, here's what you were doing, right? Enter his gates with... You're walking up. Oh, I just thank God for the car I got to drive up here in. Boy, thank you, Lord, I didn't have a wreck. God, thank you for the, what you allowed me to do. I'm fixing my tie. God, thank you for the check that I got this week from work. Just thank you, God, that I'm healthy enough to come today. There's weeks I ain't been able to... Thank you that COVID ain't, ain't blocked the doors and got shut. I know that's the way you walked in because that's... Because that's why you're supposed to walk in. Why? I love the way, if, if you ever read it from the Message Bible, let's just finish up. Enter the gates with thanks and into his courts then with... See, you can't... The problem is most of you walked in without thankfulness. And the praise team got up here like, let's go! Oh, praise God. And I got up here and said, good morning all seasons. And you said morning. Why? Because if you don't start with thankfulness, it will not lead you into praise. See, if you praise without thankfulness, it's called fake. And as soon as the music stops, you stop. 
But if you already had a thankful heart, you're like, man, it's a good day. It is a good day. I'm telling you, what are you so happy about? I, I'm just, I don't know. God's just been good to me. God, I mean, I'm just, just glad. See, y'all trying to rain on my parade. I come up here this morning like, boy, it's good to be in house. Hey, good morning. I'll say, look, morning. I'm like, huh? Am I talking to the right people? Did you get up this morning thankful? Or was your hair not right? Your clothes not right? Your life not right? Your world not right? You watched too much news last night. and Everything's not right. You'll lose your thankfulness. Enter into his gates with thy enter into his court. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures for all generations. The Message Bible says it this way. Enter with the password. Thank you. In other words, oh, I just can't get to church this morning. Hope, Pastor. But listen to me. There's a passcode to get into the church. There's a passcode you have to enter, and it's called thankful. What's the, what's, what's the special word? You know, we always say that to our kids. We try to train them to do that. You're fixing to do something, fixing to get, what you got, what, what's, what's your post? Thank you. There you go. Well, you know what God does before you walk into this room? He, sa- he says, oh, you want to spend some time with, what's the special word? Thank you. Come on in. And, and so, number two, listen to me, number two, Sometimes giving thanks is a sacrifice. Now, for this first guy, it wasn't a sacrifice. He got healed, and it's like, whew, man, if God would do that for me, I would give God praise. But there are times in your life when, when as Jennifer said earlier, and she done preached my message. She just didn't know it. She done preached all of it. I'm just repeating her message, putting some scripture behind her. That she's not gone through a time and they know things don't seem right and things don't seem good and th- things aren't the way I planned and things aren't, and, and all this stuff is going on. It's hard then. Well, that's why Acts 16 is one of the most powerful stories to me in the Bible. That's why most preachers use it over and over and over because it is so relatable to life. Paul is told by God in a vision, I want you to go to Macedonia. There's a man there, and he's crying out, please save us, Paul. So so I'm doing this thing for God. God's got this person somewhere in Macedonia. I go, and some good things happen. There's a woman by the name of Lydia. She gets saved. They they move in to stay with her, so they've got a place to live. Everything seems like it's going good. But then there's this one crazy, young, demonically possessed girl just messing everything up. We're going each day to pray just doing our normal thing. And every time we pass by the marketplace, she starts screaming, here's the men of God. Here's the men of God. Oh. Finally, Paul, after a certain time, just gets so fed up with it, he finally just turns around to her. In the name of Jesus, shut up. Come out of her. And the spirit came out of her and she couldn't, she couldn't do prophecy. She couldn't, she couldn't tell futures anymore. She lost the ability to hear the voices of those spirits. Of course, that made her masters mad. Make a long story short, Paul and Silas got beat bad, stripped, beaten, thrown in jail. 
what do you do? Well, that didn't go good. I can see Silas look over at Paul. Well, that was a smart thing to say, dude. Couldn't keep your mouth shut, could you? Look at us. I mean, think of all the things you, if you were chained side by side, beaten because of trying to just do what God called you to do, what would you be feeling? We'll go to verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Hold on. They're beaten in stocks in the bottom of a prison. Nobody's taking care of any of their wounds. Nobody has helped them. And they are thankful. They start praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners, the other people whose lives are just as miserable, but they got no hope and they got no thanksgiving in them. All they're doing is complaining about the food and complaining about the lifestyle and complaining about everything. They're like, what are they doing down there? They're singing. What are they singing? Well, it ain't jailhouse rock. They're singing about God. They're singing how good God is. They're singing about how God delivers and how God... They're singing psalms. They're saying, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pasture. He restores my soul. They're singing to him. About that time, God, who is being glorified, gets into motion. And a great earthquake comes and shakes the sails so much that the hinges and the locks all are undone and the doors begin to open. And the person who's in charge of taking care of them, who's basically says, if they get away, you die for them. He walks in to see all the doors open and he thinks, oh. He falls down, takes his sword, and he knows, I just go ahead and kill myself now. And he hears a voice. The Apostle Paul, crying in the darkness, says, do yourself no harm. We're all here. When those doors opened, those guys didn't run out. They ran to where the music was coming from. And all of them are sitting in Paul and Silas's cell. Why? Because thanksgiving draws people. Thanksgiving builds God thanksgiving. That's why the enemy hates it. That's why he wants to show you all the negative. That's why he wants you to think and he pounds you in the mind with what ain't right and what could be wrong and all kind of crazy imaginations and thoughts. That's why he attacks that. Why? Because he wants to shut off your praise and your thanksgiving. Because if he can shut off your praise and your thanksgiving, he's got you. The jailer situates everybody, takes Paul and Silas home with him, mends their wounds. And listen to what the Bible says. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, verse 30, what must I do to be saved? And so he believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Can we go a little further in that? I don't know if you can pull that up. Pull past verse 31. I want to show them one more thing. I didn't give them the scripture, but they're going to help because they do an awesome job. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. 
And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now listen to verse 34. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he... Woo, what a crazy night. I thought I was dead. I didn't just not die, I got saved. And my whole family, my wife's been needing to be saved for a long time. Worse than I needed it. My whole family got saved. You know what happened? Thanksgiving was the fruit of his investment. He took Paul and Silas home. He mended their wounds. He made an investment. He allowed them to baptize him. And ultimately, what became his reward? He rejoiced. Thanksgiving is the reward for what you get. And it's not easy to do sometimes. Number three, you have to then, listen, you have to make Thanksgiving a lifestyle. Look at that person beside you and say, it has to be a lifestyle. Go to the Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. Here's what it says. Rejoice always. So if you, want a, if you want a list of what God wants you to do, put these down. There's three of them. Rejoice, how often? Always. Number two, verse 18. In everything, in everything give For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. So let's read it again. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Number two. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. That's going to take up most of your time. If you pray always or thankful and pray without ceasing, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, that's going to take up all your time. You've got no spare time. What are you doing in your life? Well, I'm praying, rejoicing, and giving thanks. That's pretty much taking up all my time. Because he told me to do it all the time and everything and without ceasing. And if I do that, it creates in my life what? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Listen to me. As I said before, I want to share this. Christians should be characterized by thanksgiving. I've showed you how we're supposed to walk in with thanksgiving. I've talked about, listen, thanksgiving is an assignment in our life. Thanksgiving is an attitude in your life. And thanksgiving is like clothes. It's an adornment. The Bible describes it as clothes that you put on in your life. Christians should be characterized by this thing. In Romans 1, listen to me, unthankfulness, unthankfulness is the sign of the ungodly. That's the sign of the ungodly. If you want to find ungodly people, find me people that are unthankful. Don't get enough. Ain't got enough. Don't have enough yet. 
That's the sign of an ungodly person. Let's go do this. Why? I don't know. Let's just do it. In fact, listen, when Paul talks in 2 Timothy about the end of the world, listen very carefully. Paul's describing the last days. He observes that, listen, there will be unfaithful, unholy. And he said, let me tell you the, the catalyst for all these people in this time. Unthankful. He said, when the end of the world's coming, listen, it, they'll be unholy, duh. But I'm going to tell you what they'll be. What will be the, the sign you'll know by it? You will see a lot of unthankful people. Christians should always be distinguished as thankful. Let me show it to you in a couple of places and I'm through. Go to John 6, verse 11. Since Jesus is who we want to copy our lives after, listen to what it says. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had... How do you know, Brother Lot, that our world, not, not, our, not our ungodly world, but our Christian world is hurting? Because which one of you today wants to say the prayer over food? Not, 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 over, not over the House of Representatives. Not over a mass audience. I'm just saying, at dinner today, when you actually have food sitting in front of you that God has provided, and you actually have it in front of you, which one of you raises your hand and says, I will give thanks today? Because the sign of this last age will be there will be people that will have and will be unthankful. The sign that Jesus had in his life that was so noticeable I could just stay on that food thing for a while, couldn't I? Yeah, I felt that. You're not even... You're not even proud enough to thank God for food. You say the prayer. We'll let, we'll let little Johnny do it today. He's learned a little prayer, but that's so cool. It gets you out, keeps you from having to do it, from having to say thank you. But Jesus was this way. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given he distributed to them, to the disciples, and the disciples to those who sat down, and likewise the fish. So he took the fish, and he took the bread, he thanked it, broke it, and gave it, and it fed over 5,000. Listen to verse 23. Listen to what they remember about this moment. We forget this verse. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they, where they ate. What about it? Where they ate bread after... The Lord had given. I believe that that miracle would have never happened unless Jesus would have held it up and given thanks. Jesus under, understood how to unlock that door to God. Oh, if I had two more hours, we'd get some good stuff. Remember the story of Lazarus?
Okay, Jesus walks up to the tomb of Lazarus. And what does he do when he gets to the tomb of Lazarus? He says a prayer. Anybody remember that prayer? Father, I thank you that you always hear my Before he told Lazarus to come out, he was thankful. Thankfulness is the key that unlocks the door before you get into the presence of God, before you walk into the house of God. It is the attitude, it is the character, it is the adornment that God wants on his saints when you enter into his presence. Go with me to Matthew 26. Verses 26 and 27, and I'll, I'll, I'll read this one. And as they were eating, this is Jesus fixing to die. He is fixing to die. And Jesus, as they were eating, took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, for this is my... But then notice. Then he took the cup... You didn't realize what he was giving thanks for? This is representative of the blood that will flow up from my body in a few hours from now. God, I want to thank you that you're allowing this to happen. Thank you for what's coming. He held up the cup and gave thanks. And gave thanks and gave it to drink from it all of you. We as Christians, when we get into the flow of giving and we're invested in God, Listen to me. What comes out of our life is what comes out of the Bible pages. We look at it as miracles and we look at it as... But I'm going to tell you what miracles really are. It's the plan of God with us in the picture invested and not letting go. God has a plan. And God says, Tim, do you want in that plan? I do. Then I need you to invest. Daniel, you want to be in my plan? Yes. Then invest. I need you to give you, I need, I need you to be willing to go through a lion's den. I need you to be willing to, Shadrach, Meshach, you want to be in my plan? I got a plan. Yes. Then you're going to be willing to go through a fiery furnace. But I have a plan. And if you will invest, you will see a miracle. Habakkuk is the last scripture I want to share with you. Verses 17 and 18. It's been one of my anthems through my life. Because thanksgiving is my most powerful weapon. 
I don't know if I can say that strongly enough to you. In my life, if you want to know anything about my life, thanksgiving is the most powerful weapon I possess. It is the one the enemy fights to take away more than anything else. Through all the distractions and things he tries to throw at me, through all the words or stuff that comes in front, it is for one main, I want to take away his thanksgiving. And Rebecca says it best. And I read this often. Here's what it says. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my Salvation. The prophet says, I may not see it. I may not feel it. I may not understand it. But I have one weapon that will carry me through every season the enemy throws at me. I will rejoice in the Lord as long as David says there's breath in this body. As long as Job says I can do what I'm going to do. I'm going to praise him in the good times and the bad. I am going to go through it with rejoicing. I am going to use the gift that he gave me of thanksgiving. I'm invested. i got no other way to go. He is all in all to me. He's my only answer. He's my only way. And I am going to rejoice in him until I'm proven wrong one day in eternity but I declare one day in eternity he's going to look at me and say well done you good and faithful not because you were great or mighty but because you were faithful over the few things that I laid in front of you will you stand For some of you in this room, you need, to, you need to download that song that Jennifer did last today. If you ain't got it on your, you need to just download it on your phone. And you need, you need to play that and you need to get good. In fact, I'm going to give you a, a, a job to do this week. Find some Thanksgiving songs about God. Not songs that says, oh God, I know I messed up and I'm sure glad you love me. I ain't talking about that junk. I get sick of that junk. I want to hear about the good, good God. I want to hear about a God that brings me through, not a God that loves me in the middle of it. Find you some Thanksgiving songs. And just get somewhere. Because listen to me, it's clothes that you have to put on. You can watch me do it. You can watch me cry. You can watch, but, but it won't do you any good when your problem comes. It's clothes you have to put on.
It's a character that you have to have. It's like one writer said years ago, all problems can do is drive me to my knees. That's somebody who understood Thanksgiving. I don't know who wrote it, but I guarantee you that was somebody who quit was not in them. All a problem can do is just drive me to my knees. You've got to get that, that character. You've got to get that understanding. That's my occupation. To give Him glory, to rejoice, to be thankful, to pray. And watch God carry me through to my miracle. If you're in this room today, maybe that's what's missing. It starts with you investing. Investing will make you scared. Investing will, will, will cause you to think, whew. But what's going to happen is when you start investing, God gives you a gift. And it's called thanksgiving. And it's what gives you the power to walk through when you don't have an answer. When you're in jail and don't understand why. Father, in this room today, There are people that have been so caught up in this world. How do you know? Because they're not thankful. They think of all that's not right, all that's not going good, all that needs to change, and all the people that... God, yeah, this old world needs to change, and one day you'll fix it. But God, what you need to do first is just fix us. Let us be invested in you. So that God, thanksgiving becomes our gift, our fruit. And I give you praise today that there's going to be people that because of this message right now, they're going to sense in themselves, I'm getting more critical. I'm getting more ill. i I got to start getting my prayer. I've got to start lifting up God. Make a list of all the things I'm thankful for, all the things He's done good. God, so that I will be transformed to what I'm supposed to be. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, why don't you go give that devil fits this week?